Hello everybody, this is Dawn and Barbara at Holistic Wholeness and today's show is about environment. Quite a topical subject because we in the Northern Hemisphere are emerging from our hibernation after the long cold wet winter ready for spring. So we hope wherever you are, you're listening to our show with some early spring sunshine. So when we say environment, what are we actually talking about? Well, firstly, it's about increasing our focus and awareness on the environment, and B, understanding the law of cause and effect, which is obviously fundamental if we're to positively, or in some cases negatively, influence our environment, because every cause has a consequence. Of course, environment is a vast topic, so to simplify things, our definition is characterized by, as usual, our wheel. Um, so we do it every month, and this month we've broken it down to mean the following six topics. Firstly, our work environment. Secondly, our internal environment, as in our digestion, our mental health, etc. Thirdly, our personal space. So our home, our garden, wherever you know we find some sanctuary. Fourthly, how we interact with the planet as a whole. And fifth, spiritual, so that's our karma and how we interact with that. And lastly, obviously, social. We want to have some fun and um, enjoy activities, etc. So, Barbara, I know you have a good quote that really demonstrates the interconnectedness of these categories, don't you? I do. Thank you, Dawn, and hello to everyone. The quote we found, uh, which really sort of highlights to us all, is something John Donne said. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent. And you know, it's so true of our environment because realistically, it doesn't matter what we're doing and where we are, we're in an environment, one or maybe many. And when we sort of really started looking at this and you and I were talking about specifically this show, obviously, and how can we share our concerns and our fun and our laughter and our enjoyment and our challenges with our own environments, we realized that actually the first environment we all need to become aware of is that internal you environment. And as you talked about it, Dawn, you know, your digestion, your mind, the, the, the you. And sometimes we don't really see this as an environment, do we? We see this as, as yeah. maybe health or we see this as maybe um, fitness or we see this, but we don't see it as an environment. Hmm. And our next environment we were talking about is obviously, you know, you've explained that we've sort of broken this down into the six sections, but we know we've got a spiritual environment, you've got your home and garden, you've got your work, you've got your social environment, and you've got what we call the planetary environment. Um, how do we interact with the planet as a whole? And all of these are environments around us, but equally so, each one of those interacts with each other one and to make it even more complex my hmm. environments don't interact with yours yeah. and everybody else is around me yeah so when John was sort of talking about this quote I mean he was talking specifically about a piece of land obviously no man is an island but yeah. it's true of the environment you aren't in this environment on your own and you aren't ever only in one environment 
And it kind of reminds me of that movie, uh, the Tom Cruise movie, Castaway. Yeah. Uh, uh, not not Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. Um, fantastic movie. You know, he's on his own for something like four years, but That's he's true. not on his own. He's interacting with nature for food and uh, the water for um, escaping, all sorts of things. So even though he was desperately lonely, he was interacting with all the the, the elements. Um, so yeah, you're right. No man is an island, even if he thought he was. Absolutely, and even if he thought he was on one, he's not. Mm. I mean, there were elements of his environment missing, as you talked about the social side. I mean, he didn't have any. Yeah. Um, well, that's why he talked to that uh, coconut and turned it into a person, didn't he? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Carried it around everywhere, and he was absolutely distraught when it fell off the raft at the end. That was yeah. so moving. It was. It was like he'd lost his best friend, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because his social environment sort of disappeared, disappeared sadly into yeah. the depths. So he created an imaginary environment for that social interaction. And actually it's interesting because as kids, I'm sure you had the same experience I had when mm -hmm. somebody told you to not talk to your imaginary friends. Mm. But didn't we all have, don't we all, I mean, didn't we all in the past, and don't yeah. we today still have that opportunity to create our own environments? Yeah. Imaginary or well, real. I suppose, yeah, I suppose that's what uh, Benjamin, it was Benjamin Franklin, wasn't it, who wrote um, Man's Search for Meaning? I'm sure it was. Um, when he was um, tortured by the Nazis, where he said, you know, you can do what you like to my body, but you can never reach my mind, because I can then go somewhere. Um, and it's the same with great musicians and artists, you know, they can go somewhere in their mind and, and have a whole new um, perspective on things that nobody else can touch. The same thing as children's imagination. Absolutely. And you know what? As coaches, we do this with our clients. And just coming to, to mind, uh, a tool that we use, because we actually use that, that visual tool, visualization, mm -hmm. where we ask somebody yeah. to create their goal in their mind. Mm -hmm. And we're actually taking them into, as Benjamin Franklin said, you know, we're taking them into their own mind. And nobody can distort that and nobody can disturb that. Yeah. And it's their own imaginary environment that they're now physically trying to create. Yeah. And that's, of course, where their real goals and, and values get aligned, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you see, it's interesting how we take, to some extent, the environment for granted. Mm -hmm. But actually, we just, as we're just musing here and talking about all sorts of different areas, we're suddenly realizing, even outside all the conversations you and I have had about the environment, how many more there are? Hmm. Yeah. And I'm Within sure. Within those six. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I'm sure as I create a, a a visual picture in my mind of environments, you know, I'm sharing that with everybody, including with you. It's hmm. it's quite interesting what's what's coming up. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I said it's a vast subject, and probably most people, if you said environment, they would just look around and think, well, it's the place I'm physically stood right now, and that is it. They wouldn't actually think of all their other environments, but as 
different professions and as a health coach when I think of environment I immediately think of the gut you know that bacteria needs the right environment to thrive and keep us healthy um, you're a spiritual coach so you probably immediately think of mind and and so it goes on absolutely and that's where you know you and I come together on this internal you environment because at the end of the day you you as an environment, whether it's your gut, your health, your fitness, your mind, your your body, your spirit, whatever it is you want to call it, mm. if that environment's not right, nothing else around you is going to be right. No. So if you're, um, and we'll, I know we'll we'll delve into this in a lot more depth um, because we we do the way we talk, yeah. we seem to go in and out of these topics in a lot of depth. Yeah. But you know, if you're thinking negatively. So, for example, if you suddenly look at your body um, in a mirror and you think negatively about it, you're putting mm. yourself into a negative environment. Yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's the same as your physical environment around you. You know, your spiritual environment has to be positive. But your home mm. and garden, I mean, if your home is cluttered, mm. what's that saying about your environment? And and mm. work equally so. I mean, actually, I have to laugh. If you look at my desk at the moment, you'd mm. think I was in chaos right. because I have piles of paper everywhere today. Um, but actually, it's interesting because I've been sorting my work environment out yeah. and working out where my next projects are. Yeah. So it's really, you know, you said it up front, Dawn, it's becoming aware, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Uh, and And once you become aware then you realize how much you can impact negatively or positively on your environment. And an example of this is, you know, when people, uh, I know a lot of people hot desk these days, but those of them who have the traditional, this is my desk while they're employed, look how they create their environment in their own pod space. They put photographs up, they put a plant, um, a teddy bear, a Buddha, whatever is important to them on their desk, they're in creating the, an environment so that they feel good in their work pod or place, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, if you're feeling, I mean, I used to hot desk because as a consultant, an IT consultant years ago, mm -hmm. I'd be working for weeks or months at a client's environment and, and you know, they'd say to me, Barbara, that's your desk. Mm -hmm. And you can't create a work environment to that extent, but I learned how to do it. Yeah, yeah um, your own cup your yep. own bits and pieces that are portable in a box. Um, my my colleagues, when I used to work in the IT consultant, used to laugh at me because I used to pull out this little plastic box mm -hmm. and they say to me, what's that? And I used to say, that's my desk. Yeah. And it well, it's the same box you took out the car and, you know, when you came to stay with me for a detox and you were still working, you had <laughs> your box, didn't you? Absolutely. And set yourself up on the desk in the other office. And, and you see, you can do that because for me, that was my, that's my work environment. You know, that, yeah. that box has got my paper clips, my hole punch, my stapler, my everything that a and desk crystals. have. My crystals, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I didn't do it when I was with you, but my, my, what I call my bee bear, a teddy bear that's got a bee on the front of it, was given to me by a friend when I first started right. consulting. Um, yeah. You know, all of these things used to go in my briefcase. Yes, I had a pilot's briefcase. I mean, gee, you know, mm. laptops and all sorts of things in it. Mm. But I always used to have this this plastic box with my desk because you are right. You know, wherever we go, we create our own environment. And we do it unconsciously. We don't actually even do it consciously. Mm. But what does it say about us that we we need that sort of 
crux, as it were, you know, when we move job, um, that we need to create this environment for ourselves very immediately. I think most people do that. It's very, uh, very interesting psychology, I think. Well, not being a psychologist, um, I, uh, my feeling is that the only um, reason I would do it is uh, to make myself feel comfortable. You know, I mean, I spent... 20 years working in other people's offices, very rarely going back to my own desk. And obviously, as a consultant, even when I was back in my own home office, I was hot desking because there's no way they're going to keep a desk for somebody who's only back in the office once a month. Mm. You know, waste of space at the end of the day. And, and yeah. when you consider it at that level, you know, the work I was doing, you mm. can't create your own comfort zone. And that's the only way I can describe it. So you mm. create it in a way that you know, you feel okay. And I mean, I can remember with one client in the city of London, they moved us three times during a, a three-year project. It seemed, you know, as we get settled in one project environment, it would be like, okay, new offices mm -hmm. over there. And, you know, the mm -hmm. desk set layouts were different and the, the whatever. And of course, as a project manager, I needed quite a lot of space around me for all the project files and all of that stuff but I also needed a bit of confidentiality because if I'm talking to somebody on a one-to-one -one, not everything I'm saying wants to be shared yeah. and of course you have to think about that in your environment as well you know what works what mm. doesn't work and it is about mm. creating the comfort zone for you yeah well it's a kind of like a, a mini home from home for some people so if feng shui or crystals or whatever is very important to them at home, it stands to reason they want that level of comfort and security. Um, they want to create that. It all goes, stands back really to Maslow's hierarchical theory, but they, 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 they want that recreated in their workspace because let's face it, it's where they spend the second largest part of their time. They want their little space to be you know, feng shui and have crystals and plants and photographs so they feel comfortable. Absolutely. So, yeah, I get, I get that. Yeah. It's just really funny to imagine a whole office, floor above floor, with everybody's pods, all really different, but exactly the way that individual wants it, so that they feel well enough to be productive and, and do a good day's work. But, you know, you say that. I mean, it, it's interesting, because if we now expand that out, and you think about your social environments... Yeah. Your know, social environment is the pub you go to or the coffee shop uh -huh. you go to or the holiday you go on. Uh -huh. I mean, all of those are the same. I mean, I'm probably a classic. The one thing I loved when I lived in Portugal, in Madeira, was the coffee shops. Fantastic mm -hmm. environment. And even if, you know, as a female on your own, I could walk into that coffee shop. It was comfortable. It was a lovely environment. It was mm -hmm. in the fresh air. It was open, you know drinking coffee or tea or whatever you wanted, um, mm. conversation going on around you in, in all sorts of languages, I mean Portuguese obviously, English, French, German, Swedish, Danish, you know, you name it, and all of this happening around you. But it was a lovely, motivating environment to be in. Mm. Well, I go to, um, just building on that social um, aspect, I go to art class and French class, etc., and what I've noticed is everybody likes to sit in the same seat. It's totally, <laughs> totally bizarre, really. It's like they've created, even, even though it's not an office environment or it's not home and it's a little bit of a desk, they can't bring anything. But what they can do is have the routine and stability of, that's my chair. That's my view. That's who I sit next to. Yep. 
but it's an environment. Mm. But it just I mean, makes us feel better in that environment. It makes us more sure of ourselves when we have that. We, we pl we're planting ourselves, really, aren't we, in that space? Absolutely. I mean, it's like I remember, again, going back to my consulting days in, in the 1990s when I was working with somebody in Dublin. And I flew over there. Uh, it was great because not being that far from Stansted, I was able to fly over the odd day. I remember sitting at lunchtime and he was saying, well, of course, I'm not here in August, I'm back in Greece. And I said, oh, going somewhere nice. He said, I go to the same villa for the same mm -hmm. month every year. Yeah. And I said, okay, so you're going for four weeks. And he said, I always go for four weeks because the first week is obviously my, you know, uh, relaxing week and I come out of work mode, go into holiday mode. Yeah. My next week is how many books can I read week? And then my third week is, I can't remember all the details, but yeah. it was his holiday environment. Absolutely. Yeah. And isn't it fascinating that even in that social environment, we, he was creating mm -hmm. the comfort zone. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, that was in yeah. the days before Kindle. So I mean, he used to physically put in his suitcase, I don't know, 10 books or something. Yes. Because that's what he loved doing. And yeah. it's... Well, I, th I think lots of people have that routine, Barbara, yeah. uh, on their holidays, you know. They've been somewhere, they like it, they feel comfortable, um, it resonates with them on seven, and they go back, and they don't want things to change. That's it. We're, we're programmed, we're genetically programmed as humans to resist change, which is why when partners or employees or anybody tries to implement changes, a change imposed is a change opposed, and that's what it comes from. Essentially, we're ha creatures of habit, aren't we? We are. <clears throat> we are, and, mm. and we're also creatures that love being in a comfort zone. Mm. So how do you think that reacts on you know, the planet as a whole and, and, and creating this spiritual karma then? Well, you see, it's interesting because, as you know, one of the things I do and I talk about a lot is what I call the, the universal thought process. Mm. Um, really, that's getting you out of your own comfort zone. Because you're having to accept that the thoughts you're having may not be your own. They may be generated by somebody else. Hmm. And, of course, if somebody's thinking about, for example, we've just been talking about holidays. So if somebody's thinking about holidays and they're thinking about going to climb the Pyrenees and you actually want to go and lie on a beach, why is that hmm. idea about going to climb the Pyrenees some, suddenly coming into you? And is it coming in for a reason that says, get out your comfort zone, go and do something different? Or mm -hmm. is it coming in just to make us aware that there are different types of environments out there? Mm. And, and, you know, I mean, I've, I've spent some lovely time in the, in the Pyrenees, um, in Andorra and a few other places up there. And, you know, it's so different to the environments that you and I know. And you have to remember that, you know, you're talking about how does this affect the planet. Well, of course, every single one of us has an impact on the planet. Mm -hmm. and, but not every element of the planet is the same. So if we have the same impact on the planet, but every element of the planet is different, how, we, how are we impacting that planet? Can't say I know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody does. That's the challenge that we have. Yeah. And I think yeah. that comes back to the question we were asked by by a member of our audience, doesn't it? 
Yeah, a regular question, which as coaches we have, you know, coming up from t quite often, is this sense uh, of overwhelm um, and despair, and particularly when it's to do with the environment, people tend to think of themselves in isolation, which obviously we're not, we're all connected, but they tend to think, oh, little old me, I'm just one individual, how can I make a difference, I have no control, and when you get into that vicious spiral of thinking, I have no control, um, it, it has really negative impacts on a person's sense of well-being. So what would you say are some of the things, as a coach, um, that you could help um, people to get out of that? Firstly, to get out of it, but later on, tools and techniques to recognize they're about to go into that. Because, you know, when we've got charity events like we've just had uh, sports relief, <clears throat> you know, all too often people will just put money uh, into something because it's the easy way of dealing with their conscious, but if they think about it, they get very overwhelmed and quite depressed that they're one person, they have no control, they can't do anything. What are your thoughts there, Barbara? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. You and I, Dawn, we both live in places, physical locations, that allow mm. us to think we actually are an island, yeah. that allow us to think we have no impact on the world around mm -hmm. us. Mm. I mean, you know, your, the barn next to you is a lot closer to you than, than anything around here. I mean, my neighbors truly are just cattle and sheep, and yes, the sheep have just come mm. back. And it was interesting. We were talking about this just the other day because we are looking to get a border collie pup. Mm. And one of our farming neighbors, um, his dog's in, in is pregnant and, and about to give birth, and we've been offered one of the pups. And I was sitting there thinking... Well, be so jealous he wants one. <laughs> we'll tell him they're, on, they're here. They're, apparently they're going to be born this weekend or maybe next. Right. But um, So we, we, we're going to go and choose our pup, which is quite exciting. Mm. But of course, mm, I said to my partner Richard, I said, you know, this is, this is quite a, a, an interesting one because obviously these dogs are being bred from working dogs. You know, the, the mm. mum, the dad, the grandparents, you, you've got the whole family chain. We know all the, mm. all the animals in the, in the family chain yeah. are all working dogs. They're all yeah. farm dogs. They're all trained. And, I mean, Border Collies are brilliant because you can train them to the nth degree. But I said to, to Rich the other day, we're going to have to train them not to herd sheep, not mm -hmm. to herd cattle. Actually, we yeah. were talking about could we train this little pup to herd cats because we have two. Mm -hmm. Now there's mm -hmm. another interesting question. Mm -hmm. But you know, although we live in this environment and you know all this acreage in front of us and all this nothing, and you, you can actually sit here thinking, well, there isn't anybody else in the world besides me, and oh, I don't yeah. impact anybody else. It was mm -hmm. interesting how this pup has made us realise that even that little event that's happening has an impact mm -hmm. on the sheep in the field who belong to somebody else next to us because the natural instinct for that pup is going to go herd and we have to take that natural instinct out and say no. Yeah, because you're changing its environment. Absolutely, because we're taking it away from being a working dog to making it a home and a, and a, and a family dog. Mm. Um, well, you can it, do it, Barbara, because uh, we, we, uh, we've had a couple of border collies from farms where the yeah. parentage are you know, herding dogs, and the two that we had were obviously pets, we lived in yeah. the country, uh, and they were brilliant, so 
the sooner you get them and they don't learn, although they've got the instincts. Yeah. And when we were out walking, they would certainly try and, you know, chase deer or, or whatever. Um, you know, you'll, yeah. you'll be, you won't have to worry about that. But, yeah, you're physically changing their mindset through a different environment. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. And also, you know, going back to the question you were asking, you know, little yeah. old me. Mm, how, how do can I, I make a difference? How can I make a difference? Well, it's those little things that make that bigger difference. So mm. for us, you know, it's all about the little things. Um, so what are the little things? Well, you know, we had a lovely exercise which we've done over the last 12 months. Um, it, it started with getting an electricity bill in. Instead of it mm -hmm. being for 200 euros for the month, it was over 600 and we mm. questioned it and we realized it was an estimate from our local electricity company but we queried why they suddenly like tripled the bill anyway months went by with us negotiating with them and talking to them and discussing it with them and all so it's just kind of long story short we eventually decided we better look at why is our electricity bill so high anyway mm. um and why we always been estimated at using sort of 200 euros worth of electricity. I mean, I know electricity in Europe is, is a lot more expensive Gold than the UK. Yeah. But Plus it's got a higher tax, hasn't it? Actually, absolutely. But at the end of the day, you still ask the question. So we went round. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, being into his gadgets, bought this electricity thing. And we measured the electricity we use around mm. the house mm -hmm. and the garage and the stable um, and the pool. And we sort of thought, wow, this is why, you know, this gadget uses so much and this gadget uses so much. And it was quite a shock when we put all the lights on in the garage as to how much electricity they use and what could we do. And one of the biggest things we did, which I actually remembered from a fire safety um, lesson I had to go to through one of my clients when I was a consultant, when you walk out of a room, Turn your electricity usage off. Mm -hmm. Don't leave your PC monitor on. Put it on standby if you don't want to switch the PC off. Never leave the TV on standby. Always switch it off. Do you know how much electricity a TV on standby uses? It's crazy. Switch yeah. the lights off. We actually mm -hmm. went round this house, and we have changed every single light bulb to an energy-efficient light bulb. And as much as... I mean, we change from normal light bulbs to daylight bulbs, and that's a different thing. And that's a different impact on your environment. But instead of um, having a bulb, which is reasonably new technology, only five years old, um, that used X amount of electricity, we've actually got exactly the same bulb with today's eco um, technology built into it. And you know that bulb uses two-thirds less electricity? I mean, it sounds crazy, yeah. but it does. Yeah. So yeah. it's becoming aware. I mean, you started, Dawn, by saying, you know, it, it's raising your awareness. You know what? It's becoming aware of what you're using. Hmm. And we've taken so you've our... you your personal space we've, we've improved your impact with the planet through those things. Uh, for both, yes. Yeah. And we've taken yeah. our electricity bill down by becoming aware of our... our electricity usage which has a huge impact on the planet mm. from something like about 180 euros a month to 85 mm. Mm. yeah 
huge yeah, lots of benefits there more pound more more euros in your pocket um, <laughs> and you know it's a good example actually if if somebody is uh, feeling overwhelmed and uh, in despair finances say that's an example uh, then there are things they can do at home which will put more money in their pocket and positively impact on the environment. But it's, it's just a topic that often comes up and it's not always obviously to do with money, but these yeah. feelings of overwhelm, it's just me, because people see themselves in isolation. It's just them Absolutely. in their own little environment, isn't it? So, you know, to pick up on, on what you were saying earlier and to talk about that question, you know, what we did is we've impacted not only our internal environment, mm -hmm. the internal you, we've impacted mm -hmm. our home environment, but more importantly for me, I think we've impacted the planetary environment because the less mm -hmm. electricity I use, mm -hmm. the less has to be generated. Mm -hmm. And you know, yeah. even if we all did that, and I know that somebody told me in the UK a few years ago, every house was provided with... Um, an, an electric, electricity measuring you, uh, meter thing. I don't know what they're called, mm -hmm. but you can actually use them to, to go around and it works out, you know, how much electricity you're using at this moment. Mm -hmm. And if you use that gadget and you turn the light on and you turn the light off, you can see what you're using. Yeah. And if yeah. everybody, you know, how do I make the impact as, as a, uh, you know, a person on my own in this planet? How do I make an impact if we all looked at that one thing? Can you imagine the impact we'd all make? Yeah. Well, we're right behind you, Barbara, because after coming to your house, we've obviously bought that gadget. <laughs> Robert, like Richard, loves his gadgets. So I, I think we have to go a little way to recoup the 50-odd pound of the cost of the gadget. But... Uh, he is now, um, you know, turning lights out behind him in rooms, yeah. and uh, he's thinking about um, all the standby buttons, etc. Yeah. But one of the examples um, that we've got that's very successful is on the waterfront. Having been to a permaculture course mm. uh, a couple of years ago, we became very much aware, more aware of water consumption. Um, you know, we're 70% made up of water ourselves, and water is very important. And you know, that's that's probably one of the things that kind of freaks me out in a sort of Armageddon situation is not having access to clean, fresh water. So to do our bit, you know, we shower stood in a bowl, um, and we ask we, we ask our retreat guests if they would be happy to do the same, and they have got a, a bucket and they keep filling the bucket up from the bowl where they've showered and that uses to flush the toilet. And we've reduced our 100 euro water bill every two months down to 30, 40 euros. Yeah. Now, it's not about saving 60 euros, although, you know, it's very nice to have that saving. But it's just a demonstration of how with a bit of awareness and some focus on different elements, mm of the environment, we can make a positive impact. So we, for the last year, have more or less reduced our bill by 70%. And I think that's a fantastic achievement. So these little things make you think, actually, yes, I can make a difference yeah. in this big, old, wide world, um, our planet environment, just by taking some control over little steps like that. And you know, so my, have you got any other examples? Yeah, my parents did something very similar when they moved to Australia ten years ago mm. or so, 
and they bought a lovely little house. But my father got into the eco world. You know, it was all being, it was all new. It was do solar panels, do this, do this, do this. Yeah. And bless him, he he did what he could. But one of the things that he did, which I I still today find fascinating, was he put in three huge water tanks. Mm. Not just, you know, little butts, but three huge water mm. tanks. And I said to him, you will never fill those. He said, watch this space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, within three months, he was overflowing with water. Mm. So they don't use the water in, in the house because it's, you know, rainwater. You don't know what chemicals, right, yeah. etc., are in it. But mm. if they have to flush the pool for any reason, they yeah. use the water. Obviously, mm. the garden... They can run the sprinkler 24-7 for a week. They don't have a problem with droughts. And what have they done? They don't have a water bill for the garden. They don't have a water bill for outside usage. Mm. And he said, you know, going back to saying, you know, recouping the cost of, of the equipment, he actually recouped the cost of his water tanks, mm. all, all of them filled by, you know, spouts from the gutters, um, within 12 month period yeah because yeah. he wasn't paying for the water and he, he said he said honestly he said I just use excess water now because I don't have to worry about the hose pipe running yeah and it it's interesting well, our parents are very clever aren't they yeah and and I I mean I must admit I did say to him dad why did you you go down this route I mean bless him he trained as a farmer and went into commerce and he said when I first started farming well it was years ago and 1940s I think 50s whatever um, probably the 50s he said we didn't have water you know it, we didn't have all these this technology that's available today yeah. so you know when I turned up in in Africa as he did and he had to work with the local Africans and teach them how to farm how did he conserve water how did he do it and these were the things they did and what's happened is he's brought his ideas back but he's using today's technology and they are yeah. clever. I mean, there's a load of these ideas, Dawn, that have been around for how many years? Mm. And well, this is the pro problem, isn't it? We, we, our generation, certainly uh, the younger generation, they just think nothing's ever going to run out. But yeah. those who are more aware um, and and understand, you know, the, the philosophy behind peak everything, like it takes two barrels of oil now to get one barrel of oil out. It doesn't make sense. We have to start changing our philosophy around our eco footprint and, you know, what we're doing. I mean, for instance, I only drink water that is distilled or out of a glass bottle for mm. all sorts of chemical leaching type reasons. Um, but once I realized the embedded cost of producing glass, I've stopped buying glass water. Uh, bottled water, and I just now stick to my recycled um, from the distiller. Yeah. And I have a permanent, non-throwaway stainless steel bottle. I fill that up and I take it around with me. So there are lots of things we can do, but of course that's you know the environment isn't uppermost in clients' minds necessarily when they have these feelings of overwhelm and despair and little old me, I'm just an individual. But those are some of the examples. Um, well, often. You know, Often when you, you know, when you're feeling that overwhelm and, mm. and, you know, let's be fair with the way 
the radio goes today and the TV goes today and the internet goes today and, you know, all this social communication that we have, I mean, there's huge amounts of it. Um, and we do feel overwhelmed. I mean, I, I can mm. remember watching programs on TV, you know, being sort of feeling that, God, I should be doing that to my house, shouldn't I? And, and feeling, though, you know, I've got to do this. It, it, and this, this feeling of overwhelm can come on, and it can come up for loads of reasons, not just, you know, stress you've got too much to do, but it can be come on from anywhere around you. <clears throat> and it's something we need to become aware of because we can make a difference. But mm -hmm. if we're going to try and make a difference, say, to the planet, we've got to start with us, ourselves. We've got to start with the way we look at things. We've got to start the way we think about things. And, you know, one of the things that, that you and I have talked about many times, and I mean we're coaches, Dawn, so we frequently chat about tools and techniques. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we don't, none of us, you, me, or any of our clients really do often enough is sit down and work out, you know, in your environment around you, and we've broken it down into six, so we've broken it down into the internal you, the spiritual, the home and the garden, the work, the social and the planetary. What elements of your environment are in each one of those sections? Mm -hmm. You know, for example, social, we, we've talked about, you and I have talked about obviously going out, we've talked about restaurants, we've talked about pubs, we've talked about uh, coffee shops, we've talked about just going into town, we've talked about holidays, you know, time out, meditation on the beach, whatever. What makes up your social environment? And I think that's one of the first things we have to become aware of because there's a lot out there that if you um, aren't aware about and you feel you ought to be aware about, one of the first things you've really got to identify is you know, is that part of my environment or is it not? Is it something? Have you got an example? Well, I'm, I'm thinking of, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a few and I'm not getting mm. there. But one of the things yeah. that I, I am very aware of is, you know, there's a lot mm. of um, adverts about children in Africa. And right. yes, they do suffer. Don't get me wrong. Yes, it's from my perspective, born and bred in Africa, it's a fantastic thing people are doing to support these kids out there. Don't, please don't get me wrong. But you do have to, and you raised this, this position about charity before. Mm. Um, you know, please keep giving money. I'm never going to say please don't because obviously it, it, it's something very close to my own heart. But is it a case of that advert actually being part of your own environment and that's what you have to look at because it's part of the planetary environment we'll never get away from that and the planetary environment is every single one of the seven billion people who live on it impacts the planet but you've got to look at this from your own perspective so if that child you see on TV pulls a heartstring and you give five pounds Fabulous. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. But does that child become part of your environment? And that's mm -hmm. what you've got to become clear about because it's really easy to say, yes, it does. And yes, I need to be giving that five pounds every month. And yes, I want to sponsor that child or whatever it is that they're calling it today. Mm -hmm. But is that child really part of your environment? This is your decision. 
Just because mm. you give five pounds a month or five pounds every month doesn't mean you're bringing that child into your environment. And when we're talking yeah. about planetary environments, you know, um, and yes, every one of us does have an impact on the planetary environment. What in your planetary environment is important to you? That's where you've got to get clear. Yeah, so is somebody wanting to reduce their uh, their costs, their overheads? Are they wanting to do it for altruistic uh, reasons? Are they wanting to reduce their footprint? You know, yep. that's what you mean. Get clear Absolutely. about what are their objectives. Because obviously it's like having a, any goal, isn't it? When you're clear about the goal, it's easier to then focus your energy and create that motion to get involved and, and make it an emotional uh, connection. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the things, one of the tools that, that I love using, um, mm. and again, I had a fabulous experience as to how this really does work uh, and make sense, is mind mapping. Mm. So and, that's know, this month's top tip then? I think it should be. I think it should yeah. be because I think one of the things that, that, I mean, we both, we've both talked about it and we both love doing it. The idea of sitting down with a blank sheet of paper and putting the word, for example, um, work mm -hmm. on the top of that sheet of paper and then asking yourself, you know, what's important about your work environment? And just capturing that mind map, you know, this word connects to that word, connects to that word, links off to this word, generates another thought. It, it's brilliant because it just allows you to really capture what you're thinking about your work environment. Mm. Then, you know, you can do this on your own or you can work with a coach, Dawn or I, or another coach. Mm. You can work out out of all those thoughts you've had, what is important to you? What makes a difference to you in your work environment? And what have you been told should make a difference because somebody else is telling you, not because you believe it or you think it or you feel it or you, you want to have it in your life. Mm. Because a lot of these things we're told and a lot of the way overwhelm comes to us is through what somebody else says, not through yeah. what you think or you believe in or you say. Mm. That's right. I mean, there's a good quote, isn't it? I think it's Tony Robbins says, um, stop shooting on yourself. Yes. Absolutely. Get rid of that word. You know, if it's not a real goal, you should lose weight. You should move. You should change your job or whatever. It, it would normally imply, as you say, it's somebody else's goal. Yeah, but we're using the mind map technique at the moment. You know, I've got a big white office. And one of the walls is going to be the mind map for Robert and I who want to change our home environment, which is also our work environment. So we're going to start putting words and pictures up on this wall so we can see at a glance that we're both on the same page, we're thinking the same thing, so it's, it's a vis visualization as well as the mind map. So the gaps will say... Uh, you know, we haven't thought about, um, you know, where the office is going to be, where the clients are coming from, or, yeah. um, you know, the logistical things. But it will also um, put it put it out there in the universe that we're ready to move and change our environment, expand our home base. Um, so yeah, I, I'm totally 
hooked on mind maps. I think they're a fantastic uh, thing. Not least, it does give somebody some control because, you know, when you can put pen to paper and say, well, this is what I want, even if they just put all the things they don't want, they've yeah. made a start, haven't they? Absolutely. And, and, you know, you're talking about a joint mind map, which is fantastic yeah. because you're talking about, you know, you want this and Robert wants that. And they're going to be things yeah. where you come together and you both want this, but they're also going to be things in that environment that you're talking about, yeah. you know, the home environment and the work environment. You want yeah. that a difference. Yeah. And well, for one of them is he wants space for his cheese making, his goat's cheese making. I want space to have my retreat clients and come nutritional classes and things like that. So we do have slightly different needs, um, and this, this will highlight it for sure. Oh, absolutely. But it will also bring them together. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, we have the same here where Richard has his environment and his space and his garage and his cars and, oh, God, and whatever else. Um, and the stable and, and all the tools and everything that he loves and he wants to work with. And I have my desk and I have my, you know, my computer and I have all my technology and I have all my mm. software um, and I need an environment. And actually, you won't believe this, Dawn, but my study is about to change yet again um, right. because, you know, there's, a, there's one more change we need to make to this environment and then I think it will be right. And it's all those things. It's absolutely getting clear about it. And you can do it on a sheet of paper. You can do it with diagrams. You can do it with pictures you've cut out from magazines. You can do it on a wall. You know, it doesn't matter where you do it. Yeah. But it's absolutely to, to reduce the overwhelm and to stop feeling, as I've had it explained to me as well, to stop feeling guilty about, you know, I'm not doing enough for the environment and I'm not doing my eco bit and all this thing that's chucked at us. Get mm. clear about what's important to you. Get your mind map down. And, you know, if you write something down and you think about it and you sort of say to yourself, where's that come from? Why am I thinking about that particular thing on my mind map? If you realize mm. it's somebody else's goal or somebody else has told you you should have it, cross mm. it off. If it yeah. really doesn't isn't important to you, please cross it off mm. because your environment has to be your environment. Mm. And it comes back to the, the wonderful question that I've been asked many times by coaching clients. You know, if I'm thinking about me, am I not being selfish? Mm. And my mm. only question to you and to all my clients is, if you don't think about what's important to you, who's going to? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Self-care isn't selfish is my strap line. Yeah. You've got to look after yourself in order to be able to have an, a positive impact on other things. Exactly, exactly. So mm -hmm. I think for me, um, on the environment and on, and on thinking about your own environment, the mind map is going to be the tool for this, this show mm -hmm. because I think mm -hmm. it's an area, you know, we started off by saying, uh, and you were so right, Dawn, when you said this, you know, become aware, become and understand your own focus of your environment. And you know the one way you can do it is through a mind map. Hmm. And we will be putting mind maps out on the website, so we'll give you, be giving you some examples of how to do it. Hmm. Um, but, but seriously, that's the first step to becoming aware of what your environment is, how you impact it, and I'm going to say this, how you actually allow other people to impact your environment. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because uh, there's a saying, isn't there, that we have something like 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day and 90% of them are the same old thoughts that we had yesterday, so day in, day out. But the really interesting part of that equation is 80% of our thoughts are negative. Yeah. So we're very much focusing on the lack, um, the worry, the anxiety, and it's just a story we keep playing over and over again. And when it comes to the, the, the negativity and the criticism, criticism, you know, we wouldn't let other people speak to us the way we speak to ourselves in our own internal dialogue. So clean up your own internal environment by flexing those positive muscles is what I would say. Oh, absolutely. And, and also being really clear about the fact you don't want somebody else's in your environment. Give them rent space. What do they say? Don't don't give anybody rent. Don't uh, rent space rent. to them. Yeah, don't rent uh, space them in your head. Yeah, yeah, don't. And it's you know you brought up a great point, Dawn, because you know you and Robert are trying to create your joint environment that you're going to mm. live in, but you're creating mm. two different work environments. But it's mm. got to be in the same space. It's got to be in the same physical location. And it's it's awareness at the end of the day. It's being really aware. And of course, you know, a home is not just you. Remember, no man is an island. Yeah. A home is more than just you. Um, so realistically speaking, you've got to think about other people's environments, but you don't have to let them impact yours. You can compromise when you're in a home and, you know, if somebody wants a TV over here and you'd rather over there and you compromise over there, that's fine. That's your TV environment. But at least you're doing it awareness. You're doing it consciously. You're doing it with focus. You understand what you're doing. Mm. And you're also becoming aware of how your environment then impacts everybody else's. Mm-hmm. So it brings to mind, Dawn, this wonderful incentive that you've got and this new initiative that you've just started up, you know, where you're talking to people about not only their own environments, but you're actually going to take people out into a brand new environment and allow them to experience something that they may have or may not have experienced before. Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm talking about um, uh, walk as you talk trail experiences. So I'm taking my clients out of the traditional therapy coaching office environment into the great outdoors, um, which is particularly good, I think, for people who are at home or stuck in the office. So they can be outdoors, breathing fresh air. They're getting fitter through walking. Um, They're perhaps losing um, a little bit of weight through eating healthier foods. They're networking with like-minded people, and they're being coached as they walk through business and personal issues. So, yeah, I I see this as uh, the way forward for my practice. So on the 22nd of May in Provence, we're taking a group of um, walkers, and the, the event is split up into two sections, so people can come just for the four days walking in beautiful Provence. And the second part is actually a jumpstart your business workshop. So all those um, coaches, therapists, psychotherapists, etc., who've graduated but don't have that business acumen that will take their business uh, forward. So they're qualified. They might have got a distinction even, but they lack that business acumen. Um, 
to actually turn it into a business. So there's a two-part element to this where we'll be taking uh, business clients out and there will also be a workshop element to it. So yeah, I mean that's a very exciting initiative and there's complimentary ebooks. Um, the benefits of walking is one of the ebooks and also walk out of the office and de-stress is the second um, complimentary ebook for anybody who wants to find out more. So that's www.walkasyoutalk.com. And that sounds fantastic because what I'm hearing is that you're going to take people into a new environment but allow them yeah. to assess existing environments. Yeah, and a challenging environment as well. You know, we want to give them that sense of achievement and help them <clears throat> rebuild a more positive, healthier self-esteem by doing something a little bit different. So people will combine their holidays with the walking um, or with the business element or, or come to both. So it is unique and uh, it, it is going to be challenging but a great deal of fun as well. And they'll come back so rejuvenated, loads of ideas um, and they'll be healthier as well without that sort of I must go on a diet, I must get fit and have an exercise regime. There's none of that. It's just going to happen by definition and it's going to be lovely. And it's going to help people to some extent maybe change their own environments yeah. and that, that I think is important as well because you know if you take somebody into a new environment I remember doing it in Madeira and I found this fabulous little beach that unless you actually knew it was there you never ever find it and I used to go and meditate on the beach brand new environment brand new experience for me and I used to take people down there who were like-minded like me and it help me change other environments and I think that's what you're doing you know you're going to take people out into this great um, outdoors hopefully the weather's good for you in May when you're going to do it um, and not drizzly and, and overcast so we'll be we'll be sending positive vibes into the universe yeah. asking for a good week for you to do that uh, but you're going to be taking people out and of course they're not going to have phones ringing and they're not going to have um, emails coming in, and they're going to have all these outside distractions. And they can think mm -hmm. about their, their environments. They're yeah, I'm on a mission to get people out of the office, out of the home, off their bottom, off the sofa, off the, uh, the desk chair, and de-stress, <laughs> re-energize, and clean their internal environment because we're breathing fresh air. I mean, very few people know, yeah, we're breathing in our homes and our offices is more polluted than outside. So when you go outside, you're changing your visual environment, you're breathing fresh air, you're changing the internal environment because you're cleansing and oxygizing your blood, um, and you're, you know, energizing your muscles, kickstarting your metabolism, and because of that, you're going to be balancing your hormones, you'll be sleeping better, you're just going to feel fantastic. It doesn't matter what the weather is, actually. Walking through the, the lavender fields of Provence is just going to be so uplifting. Uh, people will want to continue walking when they get home, I'm sure. Well, that sounds fantastic. And... Mm. As we come to the end of this show, sadly, because I know you and I could go on for hours, <laughs> as we do normally when we chat, um, please don't forget, we always want your questions to come in. We want you to get involved in our show. So please you know, go to our website, holisticwholeness.com, contact us. You can also contact us through Coach Radio International. Um, yeah, send us your questions. Yeah, send us your questions. And, you know, 
there's a lot of stuff on our website that we're actually gradually putting up there for your benefit. So please do go to the website, holisticwholeness.com. And if there's something that you want us to put up there, drop us a note. We'll let you know. Mm -hmm. But next month, um, the show is on the 25th of April, is going to be talking about your fitness. Now, we're going to focus on a fit mind and a fit body. It means mm -hmm. a fitter and healthier life, all of which makes us all happier and more productive, both at home and in the workplace. So I'm sure you would love to join Dawn and Barbara on their next show talking about your fitness. We hope that you've benefited hugely from our informal conversation about environments, and we look forward to hearing from you. So bye from Barbara. And bye from Dawn.